Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you're watching this the day it was posted, then it's the Sunday before Christmas, which it's really hard to believe we're, we're already almost to Christmas. And so I hope you're ready for Christmas and, and Merry Christmas to you this morning. Uh, but also since it's Christmas week, we should probably talk about the Christmas story a little bit this morning. And so that, that's what we're going to dig into and that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before we get into that, a question for you to think about this morning. How do you feel about God personally entering into your individual life? At Christmas time, we, we celebrate God entering into the world. And we've talked about that, Pastor Doug has talked about that the past couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Doug talked about uh, the miracle of God coming into our world, that, that Jesus was born and Jesus is God's son and, and Jesus is God, that the God, the creator of the universe, actually entered into his creation, into the world that we live in. And then last week, Pastor Doug talked about that God didn't just enter into this world, but Jesus also faced struggle and temptation just like we do. Jesus experienced our world. But it's one thing for us to generally talk about God entering into the world. But what about God? What about Jesus personally, individually entering into your life? What do you think about that? What, what do you feel about that? How do you react to that? In the, the story we're going to look at this morning, God comes to some guys and, and comes to these guys and says that I want to personally, individually enter into your life. And from their response and their reaction to that, there, there's some things we can learn about the attitude and the heart that God desires from us as he seeks to be our Savior personally and and individually. So let's dig in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 8. Before we read that, Luke chapter 2 is the classic Christmas narrative from the Bible. And Luke chapter 2 starts out with a, a decree goes out that everyone must return to their hometown to be registered in a census. And so Joseph, his family, is from the town of Bethlehem. And Joseph needs to go back there to, to register in the census. So he takes his very pregnant, ready to have a baby any day, fiance, and, and they travel to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was a small town, and so it would be kind of like if everybody that grew up in Johnstown had to all return to Johnstown at one time. Uh, our town would be pretty overwhelmed, and, and Bethlehem was overwhelmed with all these people coming in for the census, and so Joseph and Mary are having a hard time finding a place to spend the night. And finally, they talk to this guy, and, and he's like, well, I, I don't have a room, but I have this stable out back, this, this place where I keep the animals, and you can crash back there if you want tonight. And when you hear stable, maybe you think like barn. Uh, this summer, I was at a couple weddings, and, and they were in barns. They were old barns that had been redone and, and made into wedding venues. And, and they were actually really nice, and, 
if I had had to stay the night in one of them, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. It, it probably would be a decent place to spend the night. And so if, if you've been to one of those barn-turned-wedding venues that I'm talking about, and, and you know how nice they are, I want you to think the complete exact opposite of that, and that's where Jesus was born. It wasn't a, a nice barn, it probably wasn't even a, an actual building, it was most likely just a, a shallow cave. And it was damp, and it was cool, and, and it was dirty. Uh, they kept animals there, and we all know what animals do, uh, where they stay, so it wasn't a nice place to be born. And yet that's where Jesus was born. It was a humble beginning. It wasn't a birth in a palace. It, it wasn't even a birth in a nice house. It was a dirty, messy, shallow cave. And yet that shows us, first of all, where, where God's heart was when Jesus comes to enter into the life of men, that, that Jesus was humble. And so Jesus is humble and, and he then desires to come to humble men. And that's what we're going to see as we go on in Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So as Jesus is being born in this stable, at the same time, there are shepherds, and they're out in the field at night with their sheep, watching over, caring for their sheep. And first, an interesting tidbit of information, based on the fact that these shepherds and these sheep are out in the fields at night, most scholars believe that this narrative actually took place in the spring. It was, or would have been very unlikely for the shepherds and the sheep to be out at night in December. It's much more likely that they were out at night in the spring. And so if you're, you're tracking along, you know what that means. It means that Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. And actually, if you go a step further, and if you look at the origins of the December 21st Christmas date, uh, it looks much more likely that that date was chosen not because they thought it was Jesus' actual birthday, but it's more likely that that date was chosen because there was already a pagan holiday on that day, and, and these Christians wanted to turn that day from a, a pagan celebration to a celebration that glorified and honored God. Which, that, I actually think that's kind of an awesome thing, to, to take this pagan day and try and redeem it and, and make it about God and about worshiping Jesus. But, in all likelihood, December 25th wasn't the actual day of Jesus' birth. 
Now, why do I bring that up? I don't bring it up because I think we need to move Christmas from December 25th to March 4th. I really don't think that the actual date is that important. But I bring it up for two reasons. First of all, just because I think it's an interesting piece of information, and hopefully some of you out there at least think it's an interesting piece of information as well. Secondly, I bring it up because it's a reminder to us to not hold too tightly to our traditions. Not that I hear a lot of people or really anybody arguing about what day we should celebrate Christmas, but I do hear a lot of Christians arguing about a lot of other things, and we need to be careful how tightly we hold on to our traditions. And we need to be careful of and sure of two things, that if we're going to fight and argue for a tradition or, or for a belief, We need to be sure, first of all, that what we're fighting for actually has sound biblical backing. And again, Christmas, the date of Christmas is a good example of this. Right? December 25th, if you actually look at the scriptural evidence, it actually leans more towards Christmas not being that day than it does Christmas being December 25th. And so we need to be sure that, that what we're standing up for, what we're fighting for, actually has solid scriptural backing. Secondly, we need to make sure what we're standing up for is actually important. Again, if we take the date of Christmas as an example, I don't really think it's that important what day we celebrate Christmas. I don't, I don't think God really cares what day will we pick to celebrate the birth of Jesus? God is just a lot more concerned that we regularly celebrate that Jesus, that God came into our world. Right? God is a lot more concerned that we worship Him than what particular days we celebrate particular things. And so we need to make sure what we're, we're standing up for, what we're fighting for is actually Important And and again, I I don't hear a lot of people fighting about the date of Christmas, but there's a lot of other things that we argue and fight about, and we need to be sure, does it have sound biblical backing, and is it actually important? And if it does meet those standards, by all means, speak out, stand up for what you believe and, and what the Bible teaches. But just be careful how tightly you're holding on to traditions. Anyway, I'll get off that soapbox and, and back to our story here from Luke chapter 2. So these, these shepherds, they're out in the field. It's nighttime. And just think about that scene. These guys aren't up at the Walmart parking lot in the middle of the night. There's not a bunch of street lights and store lights around. The, the electric light actually hasn't been invented yet, and even if it had been, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And so it's probably really dark out there. And they're alone out there. And all of a sudden they see this this bright light in the sky. And if this was happening today, they'd, they'd probably be thinking they're getting abducted by aliens 
or something, not knowing what's going on. And, and so they see this light, they, they have no idea, and it says they were scared, which you and I, if we were in that situation, I'm pretty sure we would be scared as well. And this angel appears to them and shines with the glory of God, and, and the first thing the angel says to them is, fear not. And I think that's a pretty awesome little tidbit too. And we see this kind of throughout the Bible where God just comes and, and God comforts. Right? That God sends this angel and the first thing that God instructs this angel to say is, is fear not. And a lot of times we're, we're scared and we're stressed and, and God just wants to comfort and, and encourage us. And, and we see that throughout the Bible with so many different people who are in tough situations and, and God just comes to them in comfort. And that, that's an awesome thing that God cares about us like that. And so this angel tells them, fear not. And, and I don't know that they were like relaxed and kicking up their heels after that, but it at least settled them enough that they could hear the message from the angels and they could comprehend what the angels are telling them. And, and the angel tells them that Jesus is born, that a Savior, the Messiah, is born, and, and tells them uh, about where to find Him. But there's one thing in particular, one little phrase that I, I really want us to think about today. The beginning of verse 11, it says, For unto you. For unto you. In verse 10, the angels say, this is good news for all men. But then in, in verse 11, the angels look specifically at these shepherds, and, and the angel says, unto you is born a Savior. And that, that leads me to a question. Why these shepherds? Why them, out of all the people that are alive all throughout the world at this time, why does God send the angels to these guys to say, unto you is born a Savior? Why them? And so I, I thought about it, and uh, a couple things that, that come to mind. First of all, uh, a shepherd is an ancient occupation. Shepherds have been around for a long time, and, and in the Old Testament, some of our greatest Old Testament Bible characters were shepherds. So maybe shepherds are like the elites of society, the, the big shots, the big wigs. But if you study shepherds a little bit more, the reality is that they were not elite. They were uneducated. Uh, most people in that day were illiter illiterate. They weren't able to read or write. And so these shepherds were most likely illiterate because if you were literate, you were probably doing anything other than being a shepherd. Because along with being uneducated, this was one of the lowliest jobs of that day. And I, I was going to think up a, a job today to use as an example for a, a lowly job, but I didn't want to offend anyone out there to be like, oh, it's like such and such job today. And then somebody go, oh, wait, that's my job. What is he saying about me? 
So I won't pick a modern day example to compare this to. I'll leave that up to you. But just think about some job that you're like, I would never want to do that job. Right? That job should be on Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe on the Discovery Channel. Right? Who would ever want to do that? Right? Whatever job you think of that meets that criteria, that is what being a shepherd was back in this time. It was the lowliest of the low occupation. They were not elite. And so why them? Well, they were out there with a bunch of sheep, and, and sheep are valuable, so maybe they had money and influence. But again, that's not really the case with shepherds. The reality is that these guys, the sheep that they were watching, they did not own them. They weren't their sheep. Somebody else owned the sheep, and these guys were just the hired hands who were taking care of them. And they were really not paid all that well either. Shepherding was a minimum wage or below job. Not, not that they had minimum wage back then, but you get the idea. They weren't well compensated for what they were doing. They were poor. But the, there's other ways to have influence, so maybe they still had influence. Uh, maybe they're like the proverbial wise janitor. Not making a lot of money, but everybody respects them for their, their work ethic and their uh, wisdom of life. Well, that's not really the case either. We know that shepherds at this time were looked down on and, and were despised. They were viewed as thieves and liars. Most often their testimony was not even permissible in court. It wasn't believed that they had the integrity and honesty to testify in court. These guys had no influence, no money. And so why them? Uh, another thing I, I thought of, they were shepherds. And so they, they were watching the sheep and they would travel around with the sheep. So maybe they had lots of friends in lots of different towns, and, and maybe God chose them because they, they could spread the word quickly to all their friends. Uh, they had lots of followers on Instagram checking out their sheep selfies or whatever. But the reality is that's not the case either. These guys were most likely loners. They traveled around, but they weren't mingling in the town. They were out in the fields, out in the wilderness. They probably spent more time talking to sheep than they spent talking to people. And even if they did go into town, shepherds at this time were viewed as ceremonially unclean. Because they were out in the field seven days a week, they couldn't observe Sabbath regulations. They couldn't observe regular cleanliness regulations of the religious establishment at that point. So they were viewed as, as unclean. And if you want to think of that in modern terms, it, it's kind of like if you have COVID or if you've been exposed to someone who had COVID. Right? Nobody wants to be around you then. Uh, I had a potential COVID exposure uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was kind of laying low for a couple of days, make sure I, I didn't get sick and expose anyone else. And 
And the one day while I'm, I'm kind of quarantining, uh, I went for a walk with my dog, and, and I was just thinking as I'm walking down the street, should I be walking down the street yelling, unclean, unclean, stay away from me? Alright, that, that's kind of what it's like to, to have COVID or be exposed to, to COVID, and, and that's what it would have been like to be a shepherd. Not that you had some illness, not that these guys were sick, but in terms of the religion of the day, they were viewed as unclean. People didn't want to be around them. They, they weren't invited to social gatherings. They, they definitely weren't allowed at religious services. So they were loners. They were outcasts. They were poor. They were despised. They were uneducated. They were doing a lowly job that nobody else wanted to do. This is a pretty bleak picture we're painting of who these guys are. And yet, out of all the people alive in the world at that time, God chooses these guys. These are the guys that I'm going to come to and I'm going to send an angel to and I'm going to proclaim to them, for unto you is born a Savior. So why these guys? Well, there were two things that I kind of came to a conclusion about. And I by no means claim to know the mind of God and to be definitively saying this morning, this is exactly why God chose these guys. But there are two things that stuck out to me about these shepherds that I think may have been reasons why God sent the angels to them. And I think we can learn a lot about our heart and our attitude and where they should be from where the heart and the attitude of these guys was. The first reason why I think maybe God chose these guys is that these shepherds would have known very clearly that they needed a Savior. These guys knew they needed a Savior. Along with being outcasts, one other little interesting tidbit of information is that the sheep that these guys were taking care of, uh, based on the location that they were at, based on the time of year, uh, there's a, a belief that possibly these sheep were going to be taken to Jerusalem and used in the Passover sacrifices in Jerusalem. Now again, that, that's not 100% fact, but uh, there's a good probability that these guys were watching the sheep that were going to be used in the Passover sacrifice. And it, if you know from Jewish tradition, the Old Testament of the Bible, the Passover was a, a huge celebration. And there was a, a specific sacrifice that took place at that time of year uh, called the Sacrifice of Atonement. And they would take one lamb who was spotless, without blemish, and the priest would lay his hand on the head of that lamb. And the priest would figuratively place the sins of the people of Israel on that lamb. And then that lamb would be sacrificed and would be offered to, to figuratively take away and forgive the sins of the people of Israel. It, it was a huge deal. 
And so on one hand, it would have been a great honor to raise and take care of these lambs that are going to be used for that sacrifice. But here's the thing. These guys would have taken care of these lambs, but when it came time for them to be sacrificed, remember we said they were unclean. They would have been told, you're not welcome at the sacrifice. You can raise the lambs, you can protect them, you can take care of them, but when it comes time for that lamb to forgive you of your sins, you're not welcome. And these guys, for all their adult life, maybe even all their life altogether, they would have been told, you are not welcome, God is not for you. You can take care of the lamb, but you can't join in the sacrifice and the forgiveness. God is not for you. You are not welcome. And yet, here in Luke 2, we see this angel from God come directly to these guys and say, for unto you. How do you think that hit these shepherds. How, how do you think they felt all their life? God is not for you. And here is an angel from God right in front of you saying, God has come to you. A Savior has come to you. God wants a relationship with you. These guys knew they needed a Savior. Of all the people in the world, these guys knew they needed it. And they would have been overwhelmed to hear, unto you has come a Savior. And here's the thing, guys. I, I want us to hear that this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember in verse 10 it said, this is good news for all men. So the Savior wasn't just unto them, but it, it's unto us as well. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever your life is at, Jesus has come and Jesus wants to be your Savior unto you. 2,000 years ago was born a Savior. Jesus came to live and to die for you to take away your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you can put your faith and trust in Jesus and you can be right with God again. You can have a relationship with God. And I want all of you out there to, to know that and to hear that. And that's really what Christmas is all about. Unto you was born a Savior. And if you've never heard that or never believed that, I, I pray that you hear that today and you, and you believe that and you put your hope and trust in Jesus. If you know that, if you've put your faith in Jesus, then I, I just encourage you to reflect on that this morning. And then no matter who you are, all of us at one time, we were like these shepherds. We were separated and outcast from God, and God came to us. God sent a Savior to us. And even if we've been Christians and put our faith in Jesus for the past 20, 30, 50 years, I challenge you to take some extra time this Christmas to really reflect on what that means, that unto you was born a Savior. Jesus came for you. God loved you that much. And so spend some time reflecting on that this Christmas. But I also want to challenge all of us that, 
the Savior didn't just come for me. The Savior came for my relatives. The Savior came for my neighbors. The Savior came for that dude at work that I just cannot stand. The, the Savior came for that person that lives in that neighborhood that's exactly the opposite of my neighborhood. That's not just for unto me, but it's for unto you and, and you and you and you and, and everybody out there. And that, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved. It's still just to those who, who put their faith and trust in Jesus who, who are saved, but we maybe get to be the person that goes and, and tells somebody, unto you is born a Savior, and we get to see them know their Savior for the first time. And I want to remind all of us that the Savior is unto whoever. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what their life looks like now. There is a Savior and, and Jesus wants to be the Savior for them and, and He wants to give us the opportunity to be the person that says, for unto you is born a Savior. And I want to challenge you to take that opportunity. And so often we're like the people in Jesus' day were to the shepherds. We can just write them off and, and certain people, we just say, eh, God is not really for them. And I want us to hear this morning that God went to lowly, outcast, poor, uneducated shepherds and said, unto you is a Savior. We can't write anybody off. God wants us to, to tell everybody we have the opportunity to come into contact with you. everybody we have the opportunity to serve unto you is a Savior. And so take advantage of that this Christmas. Use that opportunity. Fulfill that responsibility. No matter who the other person is. And so these guys, they, they knew they needed a Savior, and, and we need to know that we need a Savior. We need to, to reflect on our need for Jesus, and we need to know that other people out there need a Savior as well. And then the second and the final reason, and my, my final thing for today, these shepherds didn't just know they needed a Savior, but they were also willing to respond. Look at verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. After they heard this message from the angel, they dropped everything that they were doing. They left their sheep in the field and they went to Bethlehem and they found Mary and Joseph. They didn't just hear the message, but they responded. They were willing to drop what they were doing and follow God. When God stepped into their life, they changed their course and they did something with what God was speaking into their life. And the crazy thing is, there were some other people that heard that this Savior was born. In Matthew 2, we don't have time to look at it in depth today, but uh, you can read it for yourself. In Matthew 2, uh, there's an account that uh, these guys, they received this message, these religious leaders, uh, a group of Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders, they, 
they get this message that the king of the Jews has been born. And these guys know exactly what that means. It's clear in Matthew 2 that they know, oh yeah, that's the guy that was talked about in the prophecies of the Old Testament. The Old Testament said there there was going to be this king of the Jews, this Messiah, this Savior, is going to be born, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And they hear news that maybe he's been born. And the crazy thing is, in Matthew 2, the religious leaders, they hear this news, and you know what they did? Absolutely nothing. The guys that knew all about the Savior, that, that should have been looking with eager anticipation to the Savior, the Messiah that's coming, they hear He might be here, they know all about Him, and they do nothing. They were just comfortable with their lives and just carried on with their lives, and they did absolutely nothing with it. And I want to challenge us this morning to be like the shepherds and not like those religious leaders. That when God steps into our life, when when God speaks to us, when when God challenges us to do something, when, when we hear for unto you and unto your neighbor, there's a Savior, are we going to do something with that? Are we just going to say, hey, that, that's a nice Christmas story there. Thank you, God. But I'm comfortable with what I got and what I'm doing. Or are we going to say, man, thank you, Lord, for stepping into my life. Let me go and serve you. Let me do whatever it is you're calling me to do. I, I don't know what specifically God has been challenging you with lately, what God has been working in your heart, but I challenge you to be like these shepherds and, and when God steps into your life and when God speaks into your life, respond, do something, be obedient to what God is calling you to. And I, I know that's a hard thing. It's easy just to be comfortable. I, I admit I, I struggle with that a lot. That when God presents an opportunity, it, it's hard sometimes to step out of my comfort and step into that opportunity. But that's what God desires for us. We need to know how much we need Jesus, how much He's done for us, and let that drive us to be willing to say, okay, Jesus, You stepped into my life. Now what can I do for You? How can I be different because of what You've done for me? And so the the Christmas story is an awesome story. A humble Savior is born and goes to humble men. Comes to humble people just like us who who don't deserve a Savior. Reflect on that this Christmas season. And when God steps into your life and when God challenges you to do something, be willing to say, okay, Jesus, you saved me. I'm going to go do something I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go let other people know, for unto them is born a Savior. Let me pray for us. Lord God, Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, this time together. I thank you that we can connect virtually, Lord God, uh, that we still have opportunity to hear from, and, and I still have opportunity to present your word, Lord God. And Father, I pray that you'd be at work in our hearts, 
Help us to really understand our need for you, our need for a Savior, and help us to cling tightly to that. To love you all the more for coming to worthless sinners like us and making us new creations, Lord. Help us to respond to what you're doing in our lives and our hearts and to, to go and to live and to serve in obedience, Lord God. I just pray that we'd all have a, a great Christmas and, and a safe Christmas, Lord God. And it, it would just be a different Christmas, but maybe that would give us some extra time to really reflect on you, Lord God. Because you have, you have done awesome things. And we thank you for that. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.